Hello and welcome to the St. Francis Sunday Sermon Podcast for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent. Today we have a guest sermon from the Reverend Davidson Bidwell Waite on the matter of sanctuary, and we hear lovely selections from the St. Francis Choir. Enjoy and have a blessed week. Once again. 
country is polarized by this and so many other issues. But immigration and guns seem to be the subjects that elicit the most visceral responses. And people with opposing views are frequently being painted as people of darkness and people of light. And the church is not immune to this polarization and conflict. As some of you may know, I authored a sanctuary resolution with Sarah Watson, uh, which was passed at the Diocesan Convention in October. Before and since the convention, I've been meeting with deaneries and churches around the diocese to discuss what being sanctuary might look like. And especially in light of the particular makeup and discernment and character of each of the congregations. And there have been some in instances where the very mention <coughs> of the term sanctuary has caused people to threaten to cancel their pledge and leave the church. And as a result, some parishes have decided to not even discuss the issue. I find this particularly disheartening because if we cannot bridge the divides within a church ostensibly committed to being the beloved community, what hope is there for us to bridge the divides in the, in the wider society? And if any group in the country is going to commit themselves to working for reconciliation, shouldn't that be us? And shouldn't we start at home? I thought a lot about reconciliation when I was on a personal retreat in Assisi a few weeks ago. For four days, I marinated in the spirit of St. Francis, and I meditated each day on the prayers I had attributed to him. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light. But how can we be reconcilers if we can't even start the conversation? Arthur Staffer, a columnist in the conservative commentary site on Town Hall, wrote, if Libby wants to pay lip service to the rule of law, while harboring criminal, illegal aliens in our country, let's make her dreams come true. Lock her up, Mr. Sessions. The phrase, the rule of law, is being used with increasing frequency to frame an issue as us versus them, those who believe in the rule of law and those who disregard or flaunt it. But what law are we really talking about? I remember a conversation here last spring about the law, in which our discussion group realized that a broad spectrum of views could come together around our most fundamental law, the Constitution. It was a very energized and very respectful and ultimately very helpful conversation. We agreed that we were united in wanting to make all of our civic actions both personal and governmental, make sure that they were carried out in accordance with the provisions of the Constitution. And finding this common ground created a space where the participants could feel, fit, uh, feel 
expressing their opinions where the conversation could proceed in a less emotional way, and where the views expressed were received with respect. I pointed out in that conversation that the Constitution, both in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, contain a due process clause. And in the 1890s, the Supreme Court held that anyone who is in this country, regardless of how they got here, is entitled to due process before we throw them out, or before we deprive them of life, liberty, or property. And in finding this common ground, um, excuse me. So anyway, so regardless of our views on immigration in general, we were able to agree that we could support actions that ensure that people who are seeking asylum or green cards or even people who are contesting deportation, that they receive due process in the course of ICE carrying out their program. Again, in reference to Lizzie Schaaf, quote, harboring criminal illegal aliens, uh, another writer said, what she actually did was call on immigrant residents to learn their rights in anticipation of an imminent ICE raid targeting Northern California, and leaders should be applauded for educating communities. One of the primary ways of doing this is to publish a hotline number for each county. When calling into a hotline, people in fear are informed that they are entitled to insist that the officers present valid warrants, specifically naming them, and that ICE cannot simply scoop up anyone else who happens to be there. Rapid response teams, you may have heard of, um, go to a place where they believe an ICE action is taking place and simply verify it. And this is increasingly important because there are a lot of false alarms lately, just because of the high level of fear in our community. They act as observers to help ensure that the officers comply with the law, that they arrest only the person for whom they have a warrant, that they do not intimidate other people who may be there into signing away their rights. And then the responders alert agencies who provide services to immigrants so that they can send legal assistance to the detention center. All of these actions are legal, and all are aimed at ensuring that government action simply complies with the big law. In reaction even to this discussion of due process, some have complained that this is a partisan political discussion that does not belong in church. And to that I would respond that the question of whether under US immigration policy people should be deported or given a path to citizenship is a political conversation. But if the subject is whether people who are here, quote, illegally should be punished or deserve to suffer because, how, because of how the policies are being carried out, that is a spiritual question, and it belongs in the church. Judgment is mine, saith the Lord. So again, the question of whether people should be deported is a political discussion. It's a subject of whether people should be punished or deserve to suffer unnecessarily is a spiritual question that needs to be discussed and analyzed through the lens of scripture. 
with the Thomas By the contrary, Jesus made explicitly clear how he expects us to act, which is encapsulated in the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel at line 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was a prisoner, and you visited me. And please note, Jesus said, I was in prison, and you visited me, not I was in prison, and you got me out. Jesus is calling us to go to the pain in our community, to the suffering we see around us. Some people will also be called to try to change the conditions that are causing suffering. But for others, it's enough to be with the suffering, to be a caring presence, and if possible in some small way, to help them carry their cross, even if their Calvary lies beyond the borders of our country. This is providing sanctuary. This is being sanctuary Members of several congregations are doing this as part of an accompaniment team, going to court hearings and helping immigrants navigate the Byzantine bureaucratic process of applying to stay here legally. Um, many undocumented people are seeking asylum or trying to become legally documented by getting a green card. But in terms of, quote, aiding and abetting criminals, the San Francisco Chronicle noted that more than half of the people who were picked up in the recent ICE raid had no criminal records at all. They were not drug dealers or gangsters or human traffickers. They were not bad hombres. And those that I've met through taxes and their own health insurance, participated in their children's PTA, are contributing members of their community. I do acknowledge that some who I have accompanied in court hearings have a criminal record, but it's a DUI, often 10, 15, 20 years old, or perhaps driving without a valid license, and they're being held as a danger to society. We in California are not harboring criminals, and as Attorney General Javier Becerra responded to Mr. Sessions, all levels of law enforcement in California continue to cooperate with and to coordinate with federal law enforcement in the apprehension and prosecution of drug dealers, violent gangs, and human traffickers. But even if members of our congregation who support the current enforcement program reject these arguments, we need to ensure them that they don't need to change their views about whether undocumented persons should be deported in order to walk with them or allow others in the congregation to walk with them in their fear and their distress and their suffering. Jesus calls us to put aside judgments about immigrants' worthiness and just respond to their pain. So this is the most important point. We can come together around how immigration laws are enforced without needing to agree on where the process ends up. We can accompany a family to immigration hearings and try to ease their sense of 